Thank you for your service, all you guys out there on the front line. We want to be sure we are providing the tools and resources you need to see through through these tough times. To that end, NAC and our partners at BKD have produced a five-week series of podcasts to assist you in managing your fiscal solvency during these times. Please take a moment to listen. Afterwards, provide any questions or comments to me at trainingsatnac.org. Your feedback is invaluable. I'm your host, Javine Williams. I'm the director of NAC's Financial Trainings and Technical Assistance. And today we're talking with Jeff Allen, partner of the Community Health Center Division at BKD. And this session is going to be about cash flow. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you today? Hey, good afternoon, Javine. Very well. Thank you. Okay, so here's my first question. What are some of the different aspects of revenue cycle? Well, really, the revenue cycle really starts all when the patient actually makes a phone call or, or, or goes online or to make the appointment. Really, that's that's really the starting of the revenue cycle, and it really doesn't end until cash hits the bank. So that whole process from the appointment to the front desk to, you know, the patient getting put into a room to, you know, the provider seeing the patient to coding it to medical records to billing the claim, you know, following up on any, on any denials that really the whole process front to back of the revenue cycle and unfortunately you know there's eight or nine moving parts here and any one breakdown can cause a lack of cash flow unfortunately so you don't get the right information at the front desk you don't bill it correctly using the correct form you don't code it correctly so you have to pay it back uh, when you have a coding audit or there's a lot of variety of ways to do it but all of those processes need to work seamlessly to make sure the revenue cycle works well so in this time, what kind of revenue are FQACs and health centers missing out on? Well, you know, of course, during this crisis, a lot of the health centers that are not in hot spots are really seeing such a just a drop in demand. The stay-at-home orders that we have are really, you know, the with dental, almost all dental practices are shut down except for emergency type of dental care. So that, you know, when we don't have encounters, we don't have revenue. That's one of the biggest drops that we see. But then also, you know, just whenever there's a crisis, and this is anything. I mean, whenever you have a lot, of, and everybody's focused right now on COVID and grant funds and pay PPP programs and everything, getting this done, sometimes you can let the other things slide. And so visits that happen, you know, at the health center, maybe you didn't get the documentation you should have, or maybe uh, as you're switching to telehealth, you know, there's a whole myriad of rules to document telehealth and how that's going to work and how we're going to get bill that telehealth claim. And so these things are easy to fall by the wayside when everybody's running uh, around like like mad trying to you know survive. And how should a health center do an assessment of their cash position? Really, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I, it, I think I think a health center CFO or a finance department or a finance uh, person at your health center always needs to understand what day's cash on hand is and what that means. And, you know, if for a health center that's very, very large, you know, having a million dollars in the bank may be a few days of cash. You know, for a health center that's in rural America, that's a $3 million budget, half a million dollars in the bank is like, woo, you know, we've got, it's great. You know, we've got a a third of the year in the bank. And so it really comes down to knowing what are the cash needs of your health center to run for one day? And that's, you know, paying people, paying benefit, paying salary or supply cost, you know, paying the light bill, paying for the facility, whether it's interest on your loan or with a rent payment. I mean, understanding truly what does it take to run your health center for a day and then really saying, okay, based on that number, how many days worth of cash do I have? And then really and then really moving forward and looking at what your cash needs are over the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. 
do you have a balloon payment on a loan that may be difficult to refinance right now, uh, possibly? Do you have a, a one-time payment for some kind of insurance or things like that that you've got coming up? Do you have a, a month that has several payrolls in it that you're gonna have to really account for? You really need to think through all of those uh, processes and really lay it out. I mean, and right now, normally what we would tell health centers to do is to look, you know, three, four or five years out, always be strategic thinking, where, where are we gonna be three or five years from now? Right now, we're advising our clients, where are you gonna be eight weeks from now, 12 weeks from now, 16 weeks from mm -hmm. now? And we're not so much worried about the three to five years as much now as we are the short term. And so we're really trying to say, okay, how, what is our cash needs today? What do we what do we need the next month, the next you know few weeks, and making sure that we've got you know adequate cash to meet needs. And if we have, to, and unfortunately, if we see down the road and we don't see any revenue streams picking up, that's when almost sometimes you have to make changes in your personnel because unfortunately you can't go to zero on cash because that means you give somebody else the keys to your shop. How will health centers evaluate expected revenue streams like in Medicare grants and 340B during this crisis? Yeah, you know, it really is, a, a, it's not an easy thing to, to assume. And we, none of us know what the other side of this looks like. I mean, we know that our demand has been dropped off, but we've also got all this stimulus money, provider relief funds, PPP program, cash. And so health centers that actually were struggling in March with cash flow, some of them have a lot of cash now. You know, they've gotten they've gotten all the different funds and stimuluses, and so they're looking really good. They're they're thinking, wow, this is going to be good. But that doesn't mean that revenue is going to turn back on in June or in July. And what what will the behavior of patients be for just standard mm -hmm. monthly check or yeah. annual checkups? You know, will they want to go to the dentist and just get that checkup? You know, or will they still be a little bit afraid of getting out or not wanting to to risk? those types of things will they only go to the doctor when they're sick i saw an article just today that you know a lot of er's are empty and unless you're really really bad off you don't want to go there because what if i go there and get i get the i get the coronavirus you know um and mm -hmm. all of a sudden so it's really uh what's patient demand going to be like so i think really what you have to do is really watch the trends um are is your health center what are your visits every are they starting to go up? Is it starting to go down? Some states are now starting to open up and it's interesting. We're all over the board on this. I've talked to some executive CEOs that their dental patients are coming back. They're making appointments, they're wanting to go back. And some are really kind of skittish and they're seeing 30 or 40% utilization on that and some of the states that are allowed to open up. So it'll just be really watching trends. And again, we're, we're thinking short, short term right now, not long term. And so if you see demand start to go up, it's a little bit easier to project. With the telehealth, it's a little bit interesting because the payments change. You know, the Macs have all mm -hmm. got to change their systems. Their systems aren't geared for that $92 payment. And so we're going to bill and get the PPS rate, but we might have to turn around and get that back, <laughs> you know, when that turns mm -hmm. around to the $92 payment. That's going to be something everybody's going to have to pay attention to, uh, to make sure that we don't, you know, don't rack up a, a big payable, then all of a sudden we don't have the cash to pay that back. Some health centers, Medicare is just not a huge uh, volume of, of services, but it, it will be for some of our, especially some of our rural CHCs that have quite a bit of Medicare business and volume. That is very, very good feedback. So right-size expenditures, could you explain this process and how FQHCs prioritize activities involved? Well, yeah, it's it, it, whenever two-thirds to three-fourths of your expenses that you have in an entity or personnel related, it gets real tricky, right? I mean, you, in, in to reduce expenses often means you have to reduce personnel. 
and you know you can go out and go out to bids on your lab vendor and try to pay less for a lab service or go out to bids on your auditor tax work or your attorney's work or whatever but there's that's only going to make little tiny chunks right you you might you might save mm -hmm. a couple thousand here or there but you're not going to really make big dents in that and and what the mm -hmm. issue is really is goes down, drops down to personnel the thing with personnel what you have to understand and even admin folks and a lot of, a lot of people misunderstand this but every single person has a, re a, a has a revenue side impact to their to their to their loss and maybe it's an admin and maybe you dropped an accounting staff and you think well what does an accounting staff have to do with revenue but but the thing is is that when you're you know checking stuff you're 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 verifying uh, information maybe with claims or anything like that there may be lost revenue that comes with everybody now obviously the easiest mm -hmm. one to do is a provider if you let go of a provider there's there's not going to be any revenue from that service and that's an easy one to get but almost everyone has a revenue side impact so when you're reducing staff you really have to to, to really factor in both sides so if i have to reduce 10 or 15 staff best way to do that to make the least amount of revenue impact on my side so i really mm -hmm. have to surgically look at productivity unfortunately if i've got um if I've got some providers or maybe some mid-levels that are very low productivity, that maybe that all those demand could be absorbed by others in the clinic, that mm -hmm. might be a place to go. If I look at my ratios and I've got three support nurses for every provider, when all my peers have two, maybe that's a spot I can I can reduce down one. Everybody's got to make sacrifices. It, you know, maybe a transcriptionist. It may be a um, um, you know, it may be a biller. Maybe the billers go from five to four and the four realize they've got to step up a little bit more than they did before. You know, it, mm -hmm. everybody's kind of got to tighten the belt a little bit, but there's no one size fits all. There, There's not a formula out there that you say, okay, here's, there's a list of 200 potential people in your health center and here's a ranking from one to 200 and who to fire first. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. So you have to think through strategically and what do I do? And, and maybe you furlough folks and say, hey, when this is over, we're bringing you back on. And there's all kinds of strategies that we won't go into. But the thing is, is that it is a it's a it's like a surgeon. It's a surgical cutting uh, to, and carefully considering every position, what their impact is to those around them. Wow, that's really good information. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your day. They have to answer these questions and look forward to our future partnerships. And to you guys out in the field, thanks. You and I'll see you at the next next podcast. Thank Have a good afternoon. It. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity.